0: Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning and today my guest is Ashley Adams who is uh, by profession a union organizer and negotiator representing broadcasters, healthcare workers and for the past 10 years the Massachusetts Teachers Association. Uh, Ashley is married to an Alexander Technique teacher, Debbie Adams, and Ashley has uh, has some experience with the Alexander Technique. And we're going to talk today about how the Alexander Technique might be useful for people who are negotiators. Uh, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. I wonder if you'd be willing to give our listeners a short uh, description of the Alexander Technique from your point Uh, of view.
1: Sure, sure, happy to. Uh, I always describe the Alexander Technique to people who ask me what my wife does as a method of unlearning bad habits of movement and posture and relearning a more easeful way of doing whatever it is that you do. And then if they continue to show interest – uh, I might add that what an Alexander teacher does is show people how to interrupt their bad habits um, and insert instead a more thoughtful way of doing whatever they do. So that's that's how I describe it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that in negotiations, at least as I've seen them on portrayed in movies and on TV. Um, there could be quite a quite an advantage in being able to act uh, in non-habitual ways. Would that be your experience?
1: Yeah, actually, what's, what's interesting to me, Robert, is that there are, t- generally speaking, two approaches to bargaining. And I'm speaking very broadly when I say two approaches. There are thousands of approaches. We each have our own approach. But you could put them into two very broad categories. One is the traditional method of bargaining which is known as positional bargaining and that's what you've seen in the movies or on television where typically uh, the union comes to the table with its demands and the company comes maybe with its demands and you make your case and argue and pound your fist and they say no and then you haggle over things and you maybe you compromise on a couple and you do some horse trading and finally maybe under the threat of a strike or a walkout or something, you end up with an agreement. And then there's uh, a more modern, not necessarily better, but a more modern method of bargaining, especially in the public and nonprofit sectors called interest-based bargaining. And interest-based bargaining to me has at least a large component of the Alexander technique in it, because what you're trying to do is not just tell the other side what it is you want. And you're not just responding habitually, as it were, to the other side's proposal. What you're trying to do is to get inside the what that's being said at the table, interrupt your habitual no, and think about the why that something is being proposed. So, for example... I represent teachers, and we might traditionally in positional bargaining, we come to the table with a 4% raise, and we want two personal days, and we want five more sick days, and we want improvements in the health insurance, blah, 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 a laundry list of proposals. That's our uh, habitually, our historic way of getting improvements is by coming to the table with as long a list as we can muster and try to wear the other side down, and their habitual way of responding is to say no to everything. And then maybe they wear us down. And when they offer us one or two things in a much, much smaller raise than we've demanded, we're so eager to have some agreement that we say yes. And we end up settling for that. And instead interest-based bargaining, which is not always better, sometimes just a good option to consider. You would start by having each side talk about their general interests The things they would like to see addressed without a specific proposal. For example, you might say, well, we find that a lot of the employees have doctor appointments that they can't schedule after work because the doctors are not available after work. And so it would be helpful to be able to have them schedule doctor's appointments during the school day on occasion." And the employer could say, well, our concern is we don't want to have to hire substitutes because they're expensive and they can't maintain the continuity of education. So that's their interest in that subject. And then you would work on, by listening to the other side, instead of habitually responding no and negatively and pounding your fist, you would insert a more thoughtful approach to understanding the problem and coming up with options that maybe... Maybe the other side can think of an option to address your interests. So, for example, instead of demanding three personal days, if you're able to interrupt the bargaining process, the historic bargaining process, the habitual bargaining process, and let the other side say, well, why do you want the personal days? And then you could say, well, we need time to go to the doctor. Then maybe they would say, well, here's an option. What about if instead of giving you more personal days, We created a flexible schedule that would allow you to come in early a couple of times a year and leave early. Or maybe you could have a couple of days that you could leave and take a quarter a day instead of a whole day. You wouldn't need more days. Maybe you just need more flexibility on our part to be able to use what you have. And so the Alexander Technique, by training people to think in ways that are outside the box, so to speak, not just habitually, not just uh, the way you've always thought about things, can help a negotiator find creative solutions by giving them a willingness to inhibit their habitual no or yes and be more creative in the process of thinking of options at the table. So that's a very big answer to a very simple question. But that's how I think the Alexander Technique may help a negotiator theoretically. Now you've got another issue, which is the bargain. As we sit at the table, we get very tense, very stressed out, and our posture and our movement tend to regress to the most oh basic kind of hunched over tense uh, posture that you can imagine. So having Alexander work might help us. I've never actually considered this before you brought it up, but we may be helping ourselves physically by learning to inhibit that habitual response to the stress and the tension of bargaining and replace it with a more easeful way, a more relaxed way of sitting and you know shuffling through our papers, uh, etc., even when the pressure of bargaining becomes pretty severe.
0: Mhm and just to, to clarify that word inhibit um that's a, a, um a bit of an alexander technique jargon phrase really means just stop what you don't want but right. many uh most people would uh, identify that with Freud's uh, concept of inhibition which has <laughs> n- nothing to do with what we're talking about just No, to, although to, I to, have to, said screw you at the bargaining table <laughs> I did not mean it in a
1: freudian sense. Right,
0: right. Uh, <laughs> well, um so it uh, is is basically basically your point that Alexander lessons or say the concepts of the alexander technique tend in general to uh give you more possibilities certainly in movement more possibilities the uh, alexander technique is generally associated with things like posture and movement um and that 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 exposure to wow there are other ways i can do things that never occurred to me before uh, in sitting or standing or moving, that that would carry over into how I might approach uh, a negotiation process with somebody. Well, right.
1: In fact, quite literally, it's just funny. This just occurred to me uh, when the other side is behaving in a way that you think is ah, they're just doing their typical anti-proposal dance. They're just they're just acting like. Uh, bosses or they think of us oh you're just acting like the union the the verb you use when you are accusing somebody of just doing what you always do is you say come on you're just posturing
0: yes which uh
1: (laughs) interestingly enough is exactly what we're talking about you don't want to posture in sophisticated bargaining you want to be thoughtful and reflective and creative and helpful in reaching a solution as opposed to just aping the posture you've always had which is to be antagonistic toward the other side and a champion of all that is right which is your side so the Alexander Technique maybe can help bargainers learn to posture less and be more easeful and literally flexible in their approach.
0: And just to return uh, briefly to your point about negotiators having to to sit for long hours, uh, I can certainly remember a number of times hearing news reports of negotiating teams basically being locked up for 24 or 48 hours and sort of forced, in a sense, to come to uh, some agreement. And just thinking about the physical aspects of that, being forced to sit at a table for many, many hours, the 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 demands on your physical mechanism doing something like that, is, and especially coupled with the stress of the negotiation, uh, would would certainly take its toll on a physical level. Without some ability on your part to um, to reorganize your body in a better way
1: oh of course that's that's absolutely the case although ironically robert uh and i've had my share of all night bargaining sessions uh sometimes it is the very physical discomfort and pain of your uh bargaining session that prompts you to be more willing to accept a compromise than you might be so ironically again and i'm Being a little bit humorous here, um, both sides are well-versed in the Alexander technique, and you go to your bargaining table with an Alexander technique for all of the members of your team, it might allow you to withstand the uh, the tension and the stiffness that you might normally feel and uh, wait out the other side and not come to an agreement because, frankly, you're feeling fine and refreshed after 20 hours of sitting at the bargaining table, and you'll be damned if you're going to give in. As opposed to being cramped and miserable and physically exhausted because you don't know anything about the Alexander technique, and uh, well, God, it's been 20 hours. I'm, I'll, I'll settle for a two percent raise instead of the four percent because I just want to get out of this hellhole. Uh, <laughs> right. Ironically, it might work to your disadvantage. So, well, so. But understand yes, what I'm but saying. But
0: on the other hand, um, if if your side has the benefit of these Alexander insights, and the other side doesn't. That's right. That's the kind of – that's the edge you'd you'd like. (laughs) You can wait them out. They think
1: you're suffering and meanwhile your head is released and you're floating and you're being creative and you're feeling really good after 20 hours while the other side is just thinking, oh, I got to get out of here. All right, we'll give in. You get your extra sick days. Get the hell out of here. I'm miserable. (laughs) That's very good. That's true.
0: So I I wonder if if it makes any sense to expand – uh, what we 've been talking about to include negotiation in a more general way, I mean I know there's some there, one could argue that almost any interaction of two or more people involves some kind of negotiation that's right um, and do you, how, how How do you see the Alexander technique and Alexander technique principles uh coming to play there
1: Well, <laughs> it gets back to the old adage. And I may be uh, misquoting, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, that if you can keep your head while the other side is losing theirs, uh, you have an advantage. And -hmm. that's true in every situation you can think of. And having your head while keeping your head, you can think literally of keeping your head fluid and mobile and released and open and all of that while the other side is tight and constrained and restricted and habitual and all of that. Well... It helps you in life, right? When mm-hmm. you're going to buy a car or a house or getting a contract or buying food or whatever you do in life with anybody else, how much better for you if you're able to do it easily and and uh, and healthfully when the other side perhaps isn't.
0: And and maybe in many uh, cert- situations, while they might technically be a form of negotiation. They're not the sort of uh, oppositional things that you would get, say, with a union and a company, but maybe uh, uh someone and their spouse uh, negotiating over some something that they some activity they're planning to do or some decision right. they're going to make and so in a case like that uh if you are applying uh Alexander principles. Um, maybe some of that will rub off on the other person, and they'll be a little bit easier in themselves, and you'll both right. come to a, a more amicable uh, a decision that, that that's better for both of you.
1: Well, sure. Just think of the again, you know, words are very helpful when people lock horns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If you if your neck and your head are are more flexible and ease easeful. Uh, you're much you're much less likely in discussions with your significant other to lock horns. You'll be flexible. You'll be able to get out of those occasionally fricative uh, contests that go on in any relationship because you'll, your, your neck and your head will be freed up, so you won't be as stuck when you confront each other. Right? You won't have your horns locked, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, or mm-hmm. be stiff-necked about things. I mean, words are great because they really – Connote what it is that we're talking about.
0: Well, and, uh, and if you in the Old Testament, the term "stiff-necked" appears a number of places.
1: That's right. And
0: um, generally is seen by most translators as being uh, a, another f- term for stubborn or right, obstinate, obstinate. But it is interesting that that when when uh, for example the. Uh, pharaoh pharaoh yeah the pharaoh, pharaoh's well he, his heart was hardened that's what happened that's right him. i always
1: felt he got a bum deal he, it wasn't did his fault. It, he had his heart hardened
0: but, but um, you know what he
1: needed he was being stiff-necked and not allowing the jews to go uh, back to israel all he exactly. needed was an alexander lesson and they wouldn't have had to have the plagues
0: absolutely that's <laughs> that's what we we needed back then the next in,
1: person in, you talk to should be a rabbi could the alexander technique have helped in pharaoh's time um which is a conversation for another day.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> but it is interesting that our language, uh, perhaps maybe we could say at sort of a subliminal level, reflects some pretty deep truths about how our physical uh, state impacts or is related to That's or true. is another version of our uh, mental state.
1: I agree, and I
0: think uh, I think think, for example in the Old Testament when when the phrase stiff-necked people is used and it's used a number of times, you have to ask uh, why why stiff-necked? I mean, God could have said stiff. ankled or, you know, and he didn't. <laughs> Stiff-backed people. Yeah, but he said stiff-necked. And, of course, Alexander teachers who hear that think, well, of course, because the head-neck, uh, head neck upper-torso relationship in our body is, of, is considered extremely important by most Alexander teachers. And we go through great lengths to help our students uh, avoid stiffening that area. That's right. So, uh Ashley, is there anything you want to add before no, we No, I think I think we've it as far it. I... as
1: we could, but I enjoyed this conversation a great deal. I did
0: I did as well. I never imagined we'd get to ancient Egypt, but why not? <laughs> why not? Um so, uh my, my guest today has been Ashley Adams, who is a union organizer and negotiator representing broadcasters and health workers and more recently for the past eleven years the Massachusetts Teachers Association if you have uh, any questions for Ashley we're gonna put a link to his website by the interview and we're also gonna put a a link to uh... his wife's website his wife's name is debbie adams and she is an alexander teacher in the boston area and if anything that we've talked about interests you and you're not anywhere near boston but you'd like to explore the alexander technique find a teacher and have a lesson or two and you it, it, it might you might be amazed at what you'll discover about yourself not just for negotiating Uh, purposes but just in in general Ashley thank you so much for being on the show today
1: thank you Robert